Oral questions by members? Member for Surrey White Rock. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. The Premier's failed 10-year housing plan was scrapped yesterday and replaced by a refresh strategy that many are finding to be completely anything but refreshing. It was more of a desperate attempt to fudge the numbers and hide his own abysmal record. With now a throwback to the 1990s, the NDP has opted for a fudget budget approach to their housing strategy. The reality is this two-term, six-year NDP government has only managed to deliver a mere 7% of the NDP's 114 promised homes. I round it up to be charitable. And we now have the highest housing prices ever in the history of this province. This Premier, as we all know, was Housing Minister for two years. How can anyone trust a Premier who is so willingly, blatantly fudging numbers when it comes to hide his own housing strategy? Members, be careful about the language that you portray your question. Premier. Thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker, and thank you uh, to the member for the question. I think, uh, you know, when I um, uh, talk to British Columbians, uh, if there's an issue that's front and centre for so many people, it's the fact that they're looking for a home and they can't find one they can afford, whether they're looking for one they can buy or they're looking for a place they can rent, it's close to work, that's good for their family, that's good for their personal needs. Uh, it is uh, one of the major challenges we face in BC, and the member knows the reason why. There's a massive increase in our population in the province. We set a record last year, a 60-year high. Uh, this year, the first two quarters, we were breaking last year's records. All these folks need a place to live. And so our 10-year housing plan is about bringing on more homes faster. Uh, I am uh, I'm thrilled that we've uh, delivered 42,000 units. Without our government's policies, 42,000 people <laughs> would not be not have homes. And that as, as just one example of the kind of housing that the members won't count when they analyze our numbers, student housing, and we know why that is. When they were in power, 16 years, they built 130 student housing beds. They don't count student housing as housing. We do. It's in our numbers, Honourable Speaker. Members. And those are some of the 42,000 people who are housed because of our policies. Member for Surrey White Rock Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, let's, let's be clear. After six years and two election campaigns, promising housing affordability, the results are the highest housing prices and the highest rents this province has ever seen. What's also a fact is that you now need to earn over $270,000 to be able to afford a home in Vancouver. That's a fact. Renters are paying over $4,300 more a year under this NDP government. That is a fact. So instead of getting housed, people are getting hosed by this Premier and this NDP government. And it's So my question to the Premier is a direct one. Will he accept responsibility for manipulating the numbers of his housing plan and admit that he has absolutely failed in every measure possible when it comes to housing affordability that his government has promised? 
Premier. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. When we're talking about the 42,000 people that are now living in homes that wouldn't be living in them without our government's interventions, about 20,000 of those people are living in homes that used to be vacant under the policies of the previous government. Now, we stood up when we were in opposition. We stood up again and again, and we said, "Why aren't you taking action on absentee investors?" in our housing market that are leaving homes vacant, using homes as safe deposit boxes. They didn't take action, Honourable Speaker. We did. We brought in the speculation and vacancy tax. 20,000 people housed, at least as a result. In my constituency, previously empty mansions under the other government, now filled with students from UBC that are renting those places. And so when I look at what we've done, and when I look at what they did, I know that we've got a lot more work to do, but we're definitely on the right track, Honourable Speaker, because we're prioritizing housing for people, not for speculators and investors, Members. which was the number one priority on the other side of the House. Member for Vancouver Langara. Mr. Speaker, it's clear from this Premier, after six years of this government, the results are just not there. The NDP has failed to meet their 2017 election promised to build 114,000 additional homes. Only 15,000 homes have actually been built by this government, while the Premier manipulates and overstates the numbers in his housing plan. The real-world situation is getting worse, with the highest <coughs> housing prices in North America here in BC. CMHC says BC needs to build 570,000 more homes by the end of this decade alone. By instead, of trying to actually build those homes. The Premier has opted to engage in creative accounting, fudging the numbers to cover up the reality is unbecoming of a Premier, but is consistent with how this Premier operates. Given the Premier's blatant distortion of the numbers and his track record as a failed housing minister, how can British Columbians have any confidence in his latest housing plan? Premier. Well, thank you, uh, Honourable Speaker. You know, I, I know the member uh, uh, knows the history of uh, the BC Liberal government when they were in power on housing. It wasn't enough for tenants that their rent increased by inflation. The BC Liberal government added another 2% increase on top of that. When Members. we got rid of that, we saved tenants. Families are saving on average $2,500 a year. Members, members will come to order, please. Let's Listen to the Premier. But we know uh, we have to bring more housing on. Populations go up because of our government's success bringing on jobs and economic activity in this province. Some of the lowest unemployment rates in the history of the province right now in British Columbia. People are coming here because it's a good place to live. They see our child care program and they're coming here. But yesterday's plan is all about bringing on more homes faster to respond to that. More townhomes, duplexes and triplexes by increasing the ability for people to build with the same process, the most expensive housing, single-family home, they can now build with the same process, more attainable housing for people. Members, making it, please. Making it more possible for people to have a secondary suite, making it legal for them to have a secondary suite in our province. <laughs> Speeding up permitting so that housing can be built faster, more homes and services near transit that people who actually use transit can afford to live in because we're buying not just the footprint of the station, but the whole area around the station. Honourable Speaker, there is so much work that is underway. The plan 
takes it to the next level. I'm excited about it. British Columbians are excited about it. And I wish the opposition would support this kind of initiative. And I really wish that when they were on this side of the house, they would have started this work. Member for Vancouver Langara Supplemental. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, the Premier continues to go on great lengths to pad the numbers, and he continues to do that here in this chamber. But the reality is, things are getting worse, not better for renters and homeowners. So far in 2023, total new home registrations have plummeted 25% compared to 2022. The Minister's own briefing notes reveal that 70% a purpose-built rental construction actually results in the demolition of existing buildings. And I quote, the number of units completed does not equate directly to an increase in the total stock of rental housing. Very often, rental buildings are demolished. End quote. Will the Premier own up to these backward steps in housing supply, or will he find another way to fudge those numbers too? Premier. Speaker, uh, CMHC, federal government agency that monitors housing, issued a rental market report 2022 that says as follows. The increase in purpose-built rental units in Greater Vancouver, quote, represents the highest annual increase among available records since 1990. The increase results, the increase results from the elevated number of new rental units started over the past few years not coming to market. Rental starts surged 43% year over year over the first three quarters of 2022, meaning completions of new rental supply will be significant in the years, of, years ahead. Metro Vancouver, in their data report, December 2022, quote, rental construction is at a 20-year high after more than a decade of historically low levels when? In the early 2000s, Honourable Speaker. Members. House Leader of Third Party. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Speaker. I think there's a broad agreement uh, in this chamber uh, on uh, many issues, and one of those is uh, the need to increase access to treatment, uh, addiction treatment centers. Mr. Speaker, I've heard, uh, and our technical staff have heard many firsthand accounts from uh, families on how deeply uh, our current system. Uh, is how broken our current system is. Private facilities charge $20,000 per month without any oversight from this government. The private mental health and addictions facilities are completely unregulated, leaving desperate families vulnerable. If you want trauma counselling, it's an extra $375 an hour. Family support groups, there's payments of up to $6,500 up front. It's not fair treatment, Mr. Speaker. Private treatment centres charge thousands of dollars to keep a revolving door open. People depend on coming back twice or three times, four times more, exploiting this government's failing mental health supports for British Columbians. My question, Mr. Speaker, is to the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. When will she regulate private addictions treatment facilities? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Thank you very much, Honourable Speaker, and I thank the member for the question. I think this, this, this issue has um, certainly uh, come to the fore over the, over the last number of years. We know that 
uh, when, we, uh, when we formed government in 2017, we did inherit a system in which uh, the, the recovery house sector had been deregulated by the previous government. And that allowed for a pro proliferation of, um, of, of operators that were, were, were functioning under a very uh, loose uh, set of, uh, set of uh, rules and standards. We have moved uh, to uh, correct that, uh, that situation. We brought in um, a, a more a clear set of uh, regulatory standards um, in 2019, along with a more structured approach to the uh, per diems and increased the, uh, the per diems so that we uh, could ensure that there is uh, a higher uh, and, and standard of, 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 of quality and of services that um, British Columbians can expect from, from these facilities. And we know that there is more work to do, and that work is underway. I am very grateful for the work of organizations like BCARA, the provincial body that represents Recovery Houses, who is an important partner in, this, uh, in, in the work that we are doing to ensure that we, uh, that we have appropriate standards across the recovery home sector. House Leader, third party, supplemental. Yeah, uh, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Recognize uh, the, the environment, the landscape that existed at the time uh, that, uh, that this government uh, took office. However, it's been uh, several years since then. And as we are working to expand access to addictions uh, treatment, uh, Mr. Speaker, it should be that good regulation is what the expansion of those services is built on. That should be the first bit of work. We have heard dozens of horror stories from families that have experienced uh, the revolving door that I, ex that I explained in the first question. And, Mr. Speaker, we've also heard that public facilities aren't much better. Those public centres don't offer trauma counselling. It's up to the patients and families to s seek out and pay for. Uh, one mother described the facilities as, quote-unquote, warehouses, because it's uh, basically the only only uh, a place for her daughter to lay her head at night, no mental health care, no addictions care, uh, drug dealers uh, around the facilities, uh, uh, allegations of sexual assault in the centres, sexual abuse. Mr. Speaker, uh, through you to the Minister of Mental Health and Addictions, will she agree to undertake an audit of all of our provincial addictions treatment facilities to understand exactly where we stand uh, in this important industry? Minister of Mental Health and Addictions. Uh, thank you, uh, thank you, Honourable Speaker. Um, what, one of the important uh, measures that uh, that we have taken with respect to the regulation of the recovery home sector, which is an important part of the the treatment and recovery landscape in our uh, Pathway to Hope plan, our ten year uh, plan for uh, for addressing mental health and addictions in the province, is to ensure that we have. Uh, a robust approach to not only regulation but to enforcement, and so we've increased the number of um, uh, of officers who uh, in the health authorities who are responsible for um, for inspecting uh, and enforcing the regulations across that sector. So that work is uh, is is happening um, at the same time as we were having conversations with that sector about um, uh, improving the. Uh, the, the, the regulatory uh, framework that, that they're operating under. And, Honourable Speaker, I, I, I do think that, uh, you know, it's important to reinforce that we have a continuum across which we are working in this area. We have health authorities who are delivering services. We have um, beds delivered through the Canadian Mental Health Association in BC, which is a very important partner. We have, uh, we have uh, uh, announced a $1 billion investment across 
all of the work we need to be doing in, uh, in this sector to do the some of the very work that the member has, um, ha has referenced. I am uh, happy to hear particular examples or particular concerns that the member uh, has to, uh, to, to follow up on, but there's no question uh, we have made strides in opening hundreds of treatment beds in improving and taking, uh, 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 doing more work with respect to the regulatory framework and, uh, and the enforcement of, of those regulations, uh, increasing counselling services, investing hundreds of millions of dollars across all of those, uh, those services, and yet, of course, there is more to do. That's work that we are committed to, do, to engaging in. Mem Member for Kelowna Mission. Thank you, Honourable Speaker. Well, back in 2018, the NDP promised to deliver 1,500 homes for women fleeing domestic violence, but they haven't delivered on that promise. A year ago, the Premier re-promised to fix this lack of action when he was in housing estimates saying, and I quote, personally, I would like to see us make more progress in the Women's Transition Housing Fund. 155 units are open, so I'm working to ensure that the Transition Housing Fund is meeting the needs of the sector, end quote. Since that time, we've learned that the Premier managed to open just 33 homes. All the while, rates of intimate partner violence have skyrocketed. Amy Fitzgerald of the BC Society of Transition Houses says that they are very concerned about the lack of results given the increased rates of intimate partner violence that they see in BC. Will the Premier explain to transition housing providers like Amy and all the women and children that they serve why he is trying to fudge his housing numbers instead of delivering results that matter on promises he made? Premier. Thanks, Honourable Speaker. I, I, you know, I, I take the members' uh, critique seriously. You know, this is a category where I wish we have been had been able to open more units. But we are working aggressively on the issue of gender-based violence. Uh, we have a gender-based violence action strategy. We're working closely with, uh, with agencies that support women fleeing violence. And we know that housing availability generally is a huge issue for women fleeing violence. You know, when we open more housing, when we make housing more affordable and available for people, it means they can leave abusive relationships. It means there's a place that they can go. But I, I take the members' uh, uh, critique seriously. We've got more work to do. Uh, I, uh, I don't pretend our government is perfect in every category at all, uh, but I do assure the member on the other side and all British Columbians, we take this issue profoundly seriously. Housing is one of our key priority issues and especially the availability of housing for groups that are women that are fleeing violence, for other marginalized groups, uh, Indigenous people in the province, and as part of our housing plan uh, yesterday, concern about people who earn a decent income that are just looking for a reasonable place for their families to live. This is a multifaceted housing strategy. We're going to redouble our efforts, and 42,000 people in this province at least have new homes because of our government's policies, but we know we've got a lot more work to do. Member for Skina. The NDP housing promise was to build 114,000 units. Build! Now, the 40,000 units that the, the government takes credit for 25,000 of those were already built. Some of those were built back in the 80s. Now you go further back, maybe the 70s or 60s, maybe you can accomplish the 114,000 units 
that you promised back in 2017. But it wasn't just these numbers that the Premier managed to fudge. In his housing plan yesterday, he announced a 40,000 forgivable loan for homeowners while offering only a meager $400 rental assistance for renters. That's a pitiful dollar a day for renters. An insult for families who are struggling, struggling to afford the $3,600 per month average rent for a two-bedroom apartment in Vancouver. And that's only if you qualify. In my own community of terrorists, the average cost of rent has gone up $350 a month under the NDP. Why is the Premier blatantly discriminating between homeowners and renters and perpetuating inequality by only providing renters with only a dollar a day? Premier. Thanks, Honourable Speaker. Sometimes I feel like I've stepped through a portal into a parallel universe when I hear the members on the other side saying they're concerned about the issues of renters. I can't tell you, I'm sure members across this place stood in opposition again and again on the issues of... Members, members, please. On the please issues faced by renters, rent evictions, basic due process at the residential tenancy branch. And, and why? I mean, is, is the member seriously pretending that the BC Liberals would have ever considered a grant for renters in this province? Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? And the member... Speaking of... Speaking of, speaking of support for families, an average family... The numbers, are, the, the numbers are, are publicly produced and available under our government's policies. An average family with two kids earning $100,000 used to pay $7,473 in taxes. They now pay $4,948. That's a 34% net reduction under our government. $80,000 have seen a 56% reduction. Families earning $60,000 have seen a 99% net reduction. And families earning $30,000 used to pay $177 in taxes. Now they get $2,565 back in their pocket, Honourable Speaker. Member for Courtney East. Thank you, Mr. Speaker. Well, we've heard a lot of NDP math here today, and uh, it's absolutely astounding. 114,000 affordable homes were supposed to be built. That promise was never met, full stop. There's no getting around that with even NDP math. The Premier's attempt to fudge his housing numbers and cook the books at BC Housing is insulting to families in the East Kootenays. I received a letter from Daylene Bybee from Kimberley, who learned she was losing her rental unit. Gaylene says, quote, I am a newly single mom with two teens. Instead of being carefree teens, they will both have to have jobs and contribute to household expenses if we have any hope of being homeless. Who can afford a $500,000 home as their first home? What is going to happen to the next generation of children? End quote. Can the Premier tell Daylene why he is more focused on fudging the numbers in his housing plan instead of delivering results for her and her kids. Premier. Honourable Speaker, I, I mean, I, uh, the, the concern raised by that MLA about this constituent is exactly why 
we're doing the work on housing. I share that concern. Are kids going to be able to stay in their communities? Are seniors going to be able to stay in the communities where their connections are? Uh, uh, can we provide affordable, attainable housing for people who earn decent incomes? Can we address homelessness by bringing on more housing generally and addressing uh, uh, social housing? That is exactly what this plan is about. And I know the members on the other side, this is politics, they, they are here to oppose Honourable Speaker, but sometimes partisans, when they leave this place, they look at things objectively. And uh, I have a quote from Mark Marison. Honourable Speaker, I have a quote from Mark Marison on this housing plan, quote, we'll study more, but what we're seeing here so far is excellent news. I share, I know that, I know that families are struggling. I know that members, 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 the, the, the members, Members on both sides. I got, I got two pages of quotes, Honourable Speaker. I'm happy to provide lots more. Keep asking the questions. It's a great plan. I know families are struggling. struggling. My colleagues know they're struggling. We're working every day for them, something that the other side never did. Opposition House Leader. Well, thank you very much, Mr. Speaker. Well, the Premier talks about a parallel universe. He should look in the mirror. The number one promise that, that his government made in two elections in a row was to make life more affordable and housing more affordable, and the exact opposite has happened. Like, like come on! got the highest rents ever in British Columbia's history, and yet he stands up here and touts all this progress that his government is making. We have the highest housing prices that we've ever seen in the history of this province, and he stands up with a smile on his face and, and tries to tell British Columbians, don't worry, life is getting better and we're working hard. This is a terrible plan and their results are terrible, Mr. Speaker. Now I want to ask about a senior up in Kamloops. Maybe we'll get a serious uh, response from the Premier uh, um, to this uh, uh, question. Howard Drusky is a Kamloops senior who's been living in the family home of his parents for 50 years. His parents both passed away years ago and after his brother died, he expected to pay a modest fee to put his own name on the title. But despite no exchange of funds, this government is demanding that Howard pay over $20,000 in fees and property transfer tax. That's outrageous, particularly for a senior without a large income who has complicated uh, health uh, issues that includes heart surgery uh, and, and so forth. This is a, a significant financial uh, a, a burden for him. Now, Howard has attempted to plead his case to this NDP government, citing exemptions for transfers between related individuals that he believes should also apply to siblings. But his appeals have fallen on deaf ears as the government continues to demand, again, over $20,000 in fees and property transfer tax. In Howard's words, and I quote, I feel like they put the boots to me, end quote. So my question to the Premier is this. Why is the Premier choosing to squeeze every last penny that he can from a, a gentleman, a senior who has health challenges, who simply wishes to stay in the place that he's called home for over five decades? Premier. Well, thank you, Honourable Speaker. I'm, uh, I'm happy to look into the case the member raises. Uh, it sounds very concerning to me. Um, and, uh, and, you know, in terms of his introduction to the question, uh, 
what has our government done around affordability. For some reason, I'm reminded of what we've done on ICBC. Uh, we took a crown corporation that was losing more than a billion dollars a year, putting pressure on government finances, Members. unsustainable. We've turned it into a crown corporation that's delivered savings of about $500 on average to BC families, and we've frozen rates for two more years. Now, I think that's To the member's point, we're seeing global inflation, we're seeing rising interest rates, we're seeing rising food costs all around <coughs> the world. As Members. a government, we're not going to be able to solve all of those problems, but we are able to support people with the costs of daily life wherever we can. And that's the work we're going to continue to do, including supporting MLAs uh, like the member when they raise uh, cases, concerns of their constituents. Happy to look into them and see if we can assist. Member for Caribou-Chilcotin. Well, thank you, Mr. Speaker. Certainly, these comments have been raised before, and they will be continued to raise in the future. The fact is, Mr. Speaker, housing is a colossal mess under this two-term government. The Premier has a consistent pattern of manipulating and failing on housing. In Parksville, BC Housing falsely claims that the support of housing residents being evicted are offered alternative housing. Residents are saying that's just not true. One resident, Dan Hogan, says, and I quote, I'm a pensioner and I don't feel I should be treated like garbage. I paid my taxes when I was working. Why do I have to put up with crap like this? End quote. The Premier is neglecting the housing needs of seniors right across this province. Eileen Batty is a senior from Williams Lake who writes that she can't keep up with the dramatic increase in housing costs. And I quote, Clearly, the provincial government is not supporting seniors. Seniors are in need of support. They need it now. End quote. Will the Premier explain to Dan and Parksville and Eileen and Williams Lake why he is more focused on fudging the numbers of this housing plan instead of delivering results to the seniors of this province? Premier. I thank the member. I thank Members. the member. So they, Just I thank the member uh, for the question. It's a serious issue. A lot of seniors facing massive pressure around housing right now. The members' uh, constituents among them, seniors, families, young people starting their lives, need a decent place to live. Need a place they can afford. This is an issue for our economy, provincially, when employers are looking for workers and they can't find a place to live close to work. This is an issue for quality of life. It's an issue for women's safety, as the members raised. It's an issue for the health of seniors, being able to live in the communities where they have social connections so they can stay in their homes for longer. So and get home care, you need a home. For all these reasons, uh, we put this plan together. We started the work in 2017, delivered 42,000 homes for British Columbians expanding the plan now to do even more work, because we know more work has to be done. Housing is under huge pressure with our population growth. We've got lots of work to do. That's why from city councillors to home builders, nonprofit organizations, and just individuals interested in the housing issue, they are celebrating this work because they know it's going to make a difference. And that's what we're all about, is delivering for British Columbians every day. This whole team here, is working for British Columbians over time. We're going to keep doing that work 
every single day. Thank you. Thank you.